Today's scripture comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 53 to 58. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. I get to uh, preach after that testimony. That's uh... <laughs> Thank you for that testimony, Anna. Uh, it was really wonderful. Um, Easter Sunday. Um, I want to preach from this passage. If you joined us on Good Friday, you know that this is a... I, I preached on this a couple nights ago, and I want to preach on this some more. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the latter portion, and, and the message that I've entitled, The Victory of Life Over Death. I focused on how Jesus swallowed up our death. And today, I want to talk about um, that says, death is swallowed up in victory. I want to talk about a little bit about what victory is like, even while we're still living this life, even while we're living here. Um, even while we could still feel like, you know, we still can trip and mired in sin and death and dying still you know, we, we're, we're, still, we're, we're, we're still colored by this and touched by this and corrupted by this. And yet inside us is the hope of resurrection. That Jesus has given us a new life and a new life that has conquered death. And that isn't a fable. That isn't a fairy tale. Easter is the truth of what that kind of life is. It's history. But it's a history that is your destiny. That is, it's a reality, which isn't just something that happened to the Son of God. It happens to all the sons and daughters who are united to the Son of God by faith. So let's get into that today. Part one, the sadness from the dying in life, okay? The sadness from the dying in life. Part two, the sting of death. So there's this uh, odd portion. The sting of death is sin, I'll talk a little bit about that. The sting of death. And I'm going to close um, by saying, um, your real life with Christ in God. So often, all the time, you and I are living the life that we think is my life. But often, I don't know if you realize it, that the life that you think about is your life is kind of still your phony dying life. Today, I want to call you to faith to live inside of your real life the real life which is hidden with Christ and God, okay? So let's get into it. Part one, um, the sadness from the dying in life. Um, if you're here on Friday, I, 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 I talked about the opening of our, my message. I, I talked about denial. And, um, you know, there's generally, uh, this, this, of course, this, this, this uh, pandemic period of COVID-19 I don't know if you're like me. Um, I, I look at the numbers every day. Uh, I look at every day. 
I've got a couple websites. It tells you the global numbers, the U.S. numbers. <laughs> I look at all the state numbers. I look at our county's numbers. And, um, and I'm, I'm reading various different articles about this. And somebody once said that uh, today the top subject is COVID-19. The second subject is COVID-19. It's the top, you know, 800 subjects, you know, is, is this. And generally, of course, it's bad. There's just uh, death is on the news all the time. And the fear of death is on the news all the time. And then there's the anxiety of, of, of us losing jobs and, um, and what this could do to our business and to our livelihoods. Um, there is incredible amounts of fear and anxiety going on. And, um, and so, but I think there's something that's really good about this. And that is, you know, for once we can kind of stop for a second and feel, feel a little bit more what real life is we're actually kind of dealing with. And um, I want to give you uh, an, um, an illustration of this. Um, and if you guys watched, you know, you're probably watching TV, right? <laughs> um, my wife and I are watching good chunks of TV. And, you know, many of you know Frank and Nancy. For the last couple of years, they've been telling me, Pastor, Pastor Seuss, you should watch The Good Life. I mean, The Good Place. You guys ever, anybody watch The Good Place? Of all of you handful of people in here, anybody watching The Good Place? Of all the 10 people in this room, zero watchers of The Good Place. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, I hope there's some of you who are watching um, it at home or have seen it. Um, so after Frank and Nancy have been, you should watch this, you should watch this. And, and I trust Frank's and, you know, um, opinion. So uh, finally, you know, there, this is TV time. Uh, so my wife and I got Netflix and we're watching this show. So since most of you aren't watching this, um, let me just tell you what it's about. It's a really, it's actually quite funny. It's a comedy, but it's a very sophisticated, smart comedy that actually tries to teach you pieces of moral philosophy, <laughs> okay? And, and since I think the reason that Frank and Nancy want me to watch this is because they know I'm a nerd and I would like all the philosophy, and, which is totally true. I do. Um, but the, I mean, don't worry if you're not a nerd, you'll still like the show, all right? Um, and, but the show is, this is the premise of the show. There's this woman named um, Eleanor Shellstrop. And in the very first episode, um, she wakes up and she's dead. <laughs> and she wakes up in this office and, and then she goes into, you know, meets the, the person who's host. And then she basically is told, you're dead. And don't worry, you're in the good place. That's the name of the show, the good place. You're in the good place. But the problem with Eleanor is that she's a really selfish, kind of wicked person. <laughs> and so she meets all these people who has done supposedly all these incredible things in their life of incredible charity and generosity. And then she goes, whoa, there's a mistake. <laughs> I'm, I don't know, how did I end up here? I belong in the bad place. And so... Um, Luckily, the person that has been chosen to be her, her, um, her soulmate, so everybody in the good place apparently gets a soulmate, and her soulmate um, is a professor of moral philosophy. <laughs> this is where the lessons come in. As a professor of moral philosophy who's African. His name is like Chidi Agonye, whatever, Agonye, whatever. It's an, it's an African name of some sort, but he's a professor in Australia, and that's her soulmate. And... So, because she knows she has no idea how to be good, she doesn't even know what the heck goodness is, and she knows, like, I better fool people 
Otherwise, they're going to kick me out of the good place and I'm going to end up in, in you know, the other place. It's extraordinary. All throughout the first season, they, they regularly use the word, I have to like avoid eternal damnation. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe they actually use that vocabulary throughout that season. Now, here's the part I want to talk to you about. Um, so in, in the second season, extraordinary set of events occurs and um, there's a demon, <laughs> okay? And the demon ends up in class with Eleanor taught by her soulmate, um, Chidi, Chidi, um, the professor. And um, he learns about, about death. <laughs> and so one of the things that they pick up about him is since he doesn't die, he's an immortal being, he thinks he could just do whatever he wants, totally wicked and selfish all the time, and he doesn't have a sense of this shortness of life, of death. And so they, you know, they impress upon him. It's like, hey, you know, once you think about this, like there could be the end of you. And then he, he actually has a kind of meltdown. <laughs> he has a meltdown and then he kind of goes into this, what seems like a crazy like midlife crisis and, you know, acts all weird and stuff like this for a while. And then Eleanor sits down with him and she says, this is what she says. I actually rewatched it so I get the words just right. Okay, so here's what she says. You're, you're learning what it's like to be human. All humans are aware of death. So we are all a little bit sad all the time. That's the deal. And he says, sounds like a crappy deal. <laughs> and she goes, yes, it is. But we don't get offered any other deals. And if you try to ignore your sadness, it just ends up leaking out of you anyway. It just ends up leaking out of you anyway. You know, you can only watch so much ha-ha TV and pop music and drink so many drinks and eat so many hamburgers or, you know, if you need a more powerful way to quell the sadness and, of course, your drugs or your drunken parties or so forth, a lot of these are just strategies of dealing with the sadness that's going on all the time. I think this is true. Hmm. Um, I want to say something that's a little bit different. This is a, you know, one of the things I find really interesting in our, in our society is that you meet people that uh, are depressed. And all the people that are not depressed thinks that all these depressed people are like broken people. You know what I think? I think the depressed people, not all the time, but often, you know what? They're living in reality. <laughs> They're actually seeing this is kind of actually what life is like. That's why I'm sad. I can barely get out of bed. <laughs> There's another side of people that are kind of like that, but they're not depressed. Um, they're like the, the philosophers. They think about, um, they have existential, the sense that existence, existential is just a, of, of what is existence? <laughs> and um, I, I'm, I'm not a depressed person. I'm kind of on that end. And uh, I've long thought that as I've grown up that I have more than my fair share of, I don't know, I was just, I was always one of these kids. I remembered my aunt asked me this question once and she, was, she had to do this for class. When she was in high school, she had to ask everybody that she knew, 
what their, what their greatest fear was. And I could not believe that my other aunt, her answer was, I'm afraid of like deadly animals, like lions or something like that. I was like, what? <laughs> that was a weird answer. And then when she got to me, I just went, death. I'm afraid of death. In my mind, I was like, isn't that what everybody's afraid of? You, you're, it's over. <laughs> and then do you hear the possibilities? There's nothing. So that anything that matters in life is over. Or there's God and there's only two choices. You either go to his good place or you go to a really bad place. And I was terrified to end up in the wrong side of God. And honestly, I it never took too seriously that you just died and then there was nothing because that just, that, that, that just seemed too stupid when I was a kid. But, um, you know, you, you grow older and you're supposed to be an adult. And as an adult, then you get on with adult things, which means making money and, um, and then chasing after some career success and then building things and then getting married and having children and then you get busy. But really, I actually think that, you know, and then there's just this weird odd set of people sort of like me, then they go into like moral philosophy or something like that and they never lose that powerful sense that all this stuff that we do is kind of stupid. <laughs> That guy makes money. Who the heck cares? It's like, it's nice while you're at it for a short time, but you're dead. You can't take the money with you, man. And so when all the people praise this guy for making tons of money or like, I'm a sports fan and I love sports and I love who wins and who loses. And, but every year when they say championships are forever, I'm like, well, that's stupid. That's not true. I don't even remember who the heck won the championship four years ago, let alone forever. That's nonsense. It's just a lot of that is just the fleeting thing that we do to fill up what Eleanor is saying. This is life. And what's good in a sense about COVID-19 is since death is in the news all the time and you can't go out there, <laughs> you actually can't go out there and do all the things that normally distract the heck out of the fact that this is kind of, this is it. What Eleanor says, this is the only deal we got. That this is life. Um, today we actually get to think about it. Now let's just stop for a moment. Pastor, dude, you are a total wet blanket. <laughs> What the heck are you talking about? This is Easter. This would be like a joyful day. It can't be joyful until you really start dealing with what Easter is good for. <laughs> now, I want to say this, this about this. I'm going to argue with Eleanor here. She says, he goes, um, she says, he go, you know, the, the demon goes, it's a crappy deal. She goes, it is, but this is the only deal we get. She's wrong. <laughs> She's wrong. The show isn't written by Christians and it clearly doesn't have a, it's a clever show. Don't take any of that worldview stuff seriously, okay? It's all fictional and it's fun, okay? Even though it actually deals with some kind of more intellectually and morally substantive content. However, she's wrong. Um, there is another deal. It's not called the good place. It's called the good news. It's the gospel deal. It's, here's, it says it in this passage. The perishable puts on the imperishable. The mortal gets to put on immortality. And this thing called death, 
doesn't have to have the final say for you and me. It doesn't have to color everything. It isn't just about what's going to happen at, quote, unquote, at the end of your life, but it doesn't even have to color all the stuff in between before you get to the end of your life. That's the promise of the gospel. That's the promise of today, of Easter. And so um, let's get into that. Let's go to part two. Um, I want to look at another portion of this passage. Uh, Verse 56. Verse 56 says this, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. I want to say a little something about this. So um, if you think about this, why is the sting of sin death? Um, there's another famous verse in the Bible that says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So it's another great place where the gospel is taught. This is Romans 6, 23. That verse always makes sense to me. The wages of sin is death. You guys understand what that means? Wages is the thing that you earn. You know, you go do your, your, your let's say you, you, know, you work, you work at a fast food joint, you flip hamburgers for an hour. <laughs> and in our city, you're going to make $15 or whatever because that's the minimum wage. The wages of flip, flipping, flipping hamburgers for an hour or so is 15 something dollars. That's the wages. So if you do sin, you know what, what you earn? <laughs> it's death. <laughs> that's what you earn. That verse totally makes sense to me. <laughs> Your sin, where does it lead to? Death. This verse flips it around. It says the sting of sin is death. The sting of sin is death. And I want to chew on this a little bit. And so, you know, um, you think this thing that we have this thing called sin, and a lot of people today think that sin, you know, is like, there's a lot of very people who have very unsophisticated and unbiblical understandings of sin. There's a rule, you break that rule, that's sin. But here, I want to give you something else thinking about how this existential angst, this sadness that Eleanor Shellstrump talks about, it's all the time that's coming from death and dying, how this is the sting of sin is death. So how this thing always ends up, there's death, and then so you have sin in your life, and there's death, and what I want to say is dying. You have death, But do you know that everywhere in your life, it isn't just that you feel sad, (laughs) that everything that that matters inside your life is going to end and then then you'll just be poof, gone, nothing, and and anything about you doesn't matter anymore. It's that death colors everything inside of your life. It's like there's a stink and the stench and the corruption of death. And you know what it does? It's like sin and death, the sinning just flows right out of it. So let me give you an example here. Uh, so, if you, life is short and brutish and sad, and even in your joys and your pleasures, just are here today, gone to my womb, it's gone, right? So, um, if you want to believe in life as something like beautiful and wonderful, today you're considered weak. So that's why all the religious people are considered weak. So just think about that for a moment. You want to believe in something more hopeful, you know what immediately other people tell you? You're weak. So here, here are the two choices. 
You believe in making the world a better place. And that's, we, got, we got that going on too. There's lots of people who are telling you, make the world a better place. Based on what? I don't know. Is there a God? I don't think so. Do you know? Nobody knows. So, but make the world a better place. It'll be hopeful. The world will be a better place. We're going to conquer disease. We're going to conquer racism. We're going to have peace and war. You know, get, get over all that stuff. And you know what most people think of that? So we don't actually say this out loud because people are always going to berate you. What most people think of that is it's garbage. <laughs> it's fairy tale. And then the other is, is cynicism, which is if you want to go believe in some religious thing, it's a crutch. So you know where all this comes from? This two thing, these two choices, fairy tale or it's um, you're weak. Well, this is um, the sting of sin is death. Death is coloring all the way we look at this thing. And here we go. There's sin in here, and it's the sting of making our life. This is kind of cruddy. Let me give you a different example. Life, if life has death then that means you're always aware of the fact that your life has only a, a, a limited amount. <laughs> you're always aware of this. This is kind of what Eleanor Shellstrap means. There's a bit of sadness in everything. Okay, we don't necessarily call it, let me put it this way. There's sadness and it leads to selfishness. So, if you have somebody in your life and all they do is annoy the heck out of you, all they do is super needy to you, you know what's you're like, hey, my life is, needs to be happy, needs to feel things that make me feel glad, and you just wasted one hour, and we get so angry, you just wasted one hour of my time, you just wasted two hours of my time, I hung out with you, you're my friend, you just wasted a year of my life, I tried to date you, you just wasted two years of my life, you know what that happens, that means two years of your life, which is only this much, just like now you have this much, and, and then two years of it was wasted on this, that's kind of like traffic. That's why we hate traffic so much. You got, you're trying to get on with your life, but that bozo, what, what, you, you caused this thing. <laughs> well, let's, let's, so what's going to make my life good? Money. So you get lots and lots of money. Why would you want to give it to anybody else? Because the money is the thing that makes me feel good about my life. Then I can do more stuff with my life. So if I give away more money, then that's less life. <laughs> You know what all that is? You know, our society doesn't call that sin, but that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. The sting of, the sting of sin is death, right? That's, that's weird. The sting of sin is death. So because of this, we just treat each other with like scarcity all the time. Everybody assumes that what makes me happy is scarce. I can give very, very little of it away. <laughs> I can't listen to your problems. I care about you. I only have this much care. This is it. This is all I got. And so, are you worth some of my care? <laughs> um, and if you think about this, um, there are people who have like a billion dollars and they can afford to, they, they don't have any scarcity of money. <laughs> And they can afford to give some away to other people, but they don't. That's pretty gross when you think about it, isn't it? Because in order for their life to feel good, they have to hold on to all the billion dollars. And yet, all that is completely normal if this is the final word. But there's something else going on, and I want to say this, all right? 
Um, human being is always can't accept this life. We always have, to, we have this profound desire. Everywhere you go, there's the desire to make the world a better place. There's the desire to have a family and then our family is going to be a good family, even though, you know, you will die. <laughs> right? And so even if for a time we're going to have a good family, and even if it's for 10 years or 20 years, we want to believe that it could be forever and ever. We can have a good land. We can have a good place, and it can be forever and ever. The, all the songs says, I'm going to love you forever and ever. Nobody, none of the songs say, yo, baby, baby, I love you, until I don't. <laughs> that song does not exist in the top 40, <laughs> right? Yo, baby, baby. There's, there's like two songs. The songs, I will love you forever, and then the songs were like, I hate your guts because <laughs> you broke my heart, okay? Those are the two songs that will always be in the top 40. But there isn't this, I will love you until I just don't. I will love you for five years until I move on to the next girl. <laughs> you know, that song doesn't exist. Why, why is this in there? And every, it's always there. Every TV show, justice will reign forever. And ever. They'll happy, live happily ever after. I'm going to give you a word. This is really great. This is C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. It's one of the really brilliant things. And if you don't believe in God or you're not sure about God, you should really swallow this. Here's how he puts it. The Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfactions for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in, the, in this world can satisfy, the most probable ex explanation is that I was made for another world. Let me say it another way. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You know what the Bible says? That's exactly what the Bible says. The imperishable must put on, the perishable must put on the imperishable. We don't want just a perishable body. We want an imperishable body. We want an imperishable marriage. We want an imperishable nation. We want imperishable, immortal justice. We want a love that never dies. We want a hope that can never be defeated, imperishable. And you know what this is? The promise of the gospel is that this is not a fairy tale. <laughs> that it costs. And that all that is horrible about us, all that selfish way that we're constantly looking at other people through the lens of our scarcity, that really you can throw that away and that will die and he'll die with Jesus. And he offers you something new. It's the power of the gospel, and that's what we're celebrating here today. I want to close. Um, I would love to spend some time telling you about the next one, <laughs> the power of sin is the law, but that one's, that's, a big con that's a big subject. We'll have to do that another Sunday, okay? Um, I want to close um, by talking about your real life hidden with Christ in God. And so um, let me ask our, 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 um, our brother to project that verse that we, we looked at on Friday, right? 
On Friday, I share with you verse. I, I, I believe these two verses, these uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and this Colossians 3, they really go together. They both talk about how we're united to Christ in his death and how he's conquered it through resurrection. And here's the verse. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, not on the scarcity all the time. Think on the abundance. And here's the verse that I want you to really chew on. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, I taught you on Friday night that when you have faith in Christ, what he does is he unites you. There's you the, the, one of the things, I, this incredible thing I learned from my professor, Richard Gaffin at Westminster Seminary. You know what you get? You get union with Christ. You get all of Christ and all of his death and all of the promises of his resurrection. And in this verse, I want, to, this, I want to point out to you this very strange thing. You have died. Past tense. You have died. Brothers and sisters, your Good Friday has already happened. Not just Jesus' Good Friday. When your Friday passes, I want every, all of you to think about Friday hits. A lot of us go, Friday's great. It's the end of the work week. It's the end of school. And then the weekend has come. I want you to think about it differently. You have died. But now your life, your real life, the real you is hidden with Christ in God. There's a resurrected person who has now been put on the immortal. The immortal body, the immortal heart, the immortal mind, the imperishable hope, the imperishable justice, and undefeatable forgiveness. It's all been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Your death swallowed up by the death of Jesus. And now all that's left is you alive. And so when you think about Easter, you should be thinking about your imperishable life, one for you by Jesus. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. This is who your real life is. Not all the things you normally fixate upon. I'm going to get my life if I you know, make more money, if I can get those, those grades, and then like, oh, maybe this girl will like me, and then I, 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 I will, I'm going to be, manifest all this. <laughs> If I can do these things and I can get these people to admire me, then I will fulfill my life. You're just being your self-savior. The self-fulfillment of your life. This is your life in you. You know what Easter is telling you? That life is dead. If you believe in Jesus and you're united to him, that you is gone and dead. You have to remember that. Susang, in sign of the power of the salvation of Susang, that, dude, that guy is gone. He's dead. Stop trying to live inside of that. Don't live inside of his fears and his hopes and his power and anxiety. That person's got to die. And now, today, let's just live inside of Easter. The real life in you, which is victorious over all that fear and death and guilt and shame, that's, actually, that's your real life. That's you. So let me close this way. Um, you know, every... Every Sunday, let me just tell you, one of the, the great challenges of being a preacher is 
is, especially being the regular preacher, is always got to give you an illustration. Hmm. Trying to get, always giving you a, some picture of this. And of course, Jesus is the great genius of illustrations. A parable is, is an earthly, it's like an earthly you know, picture of a reality, of a heavenly reality. It's this earthly picture of a heavenly reality. Um, so, uh, the, but I read, um, I read um, Anna's uh, testimony before um, hearing it today. And, um, and uh, her life, what she shared today, what, you, you need a better illustration than that? Let me say what she said to you today. So at the beginning, for those of you who maybe didn't hear it, what she said, she started off with some actually really incredible words. She said, I'm a narcissist in recovery. And every day I have to remember, I don't have to use all my manipulative self-protection techniques. That instead, God is on my side and he gave me a husband who helps remember the gospel God is on my side. And I, one of the things I absolutely love about Anna's testimony is in so many testimonies, it's kind of like, I was bad in this way, and then I remember that Jesus gave me this, and then I became good. But the fact that she's telling us a story of something that's in the, like, the, deep, like, the deep wall of her life, and it's like this ongoing fight that she has to have. And so many of us, this, this is what our life is like. Do you know that for many of us, we live constantly dealing with Friday. What's your thing? Whatever your thing is, I, I, if I don't you know, get these grades and get into that school and get into that thing, and then if we lose my job, then I will be a total failure as a man, and then I'm a loser, and then I'm nothing. Like that just, just sucks up all the energy and oxygen of our life. You know what that is? That's you before Friday. That's you every day. That's you inside of you. Anna told us the Anna inside of Anna. When Anna was doing self-salvation, it took her a number of years to realize the Anna in self-salvation regularly chooses narcissism. That's it's terrible. And you know what it is? It's death. It's dying and it's death. And she dies like a little death, a thousand deaths, a fear and a manipulation all the time until she found out that Jesus died the death she deserved to die and gave her a new life. And she gets to live in that new life. She gets to live in Sunday, not moving into Friday. Most of us are like on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> and we haven't yet fully accepted that the me and me is dead. Today, could you believe that you can have a fight? You can live inside resurrection. You can live inside of a victory, one for you. Not a victory over death, a victory over you, your old, dying, decrepit self. A victory for you, your victory. Christ's victory for you. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And when Christ, who is your life, he's your life. When Christ, who is your life, when he appears, then you also, you'll finally appear. You'll find the real you will finally appear. And you know what it says? With him in glory. Can you believe that? And live in that. It's Easter resurrection hope for you, day in, day out. Whatever pulls you into like death-filled sadness and scarcity every day, if you trusted Jesus, put that to death. You can say, you know what? Let's live in him. Let's try living for other people. Let's try to forget about me all the time. So we'll close with this last point. I had a friend who once said to me, a number of years ago, this is, he's not the only person who ever said this, but he's the one who ever, ever made it stick in my head. Um, he, came, he grew up in this really broken, messed up family, and then in his early 20s got saved. And he was just joyful all the time. He did some really horrible, nasty stuff when, before he knew Jesus. Right? And he, has, he had really suffered. And yet, um, there's joy all the time. This is how he put it. He says, hey guys, do you realize that this life we're living now, if you know Jesus, this is the worst hell there'll ever be. This is it. There can't ever be anything worse than this. And it's gonna be over. Because Jesus hell and death to the end for us. But if you don't know Jesus, this is the best heaven you got. If this is the best heaven you got, no wonder their life has to be filled with narcissism and blame and anger and selfishness and scarcity because that's all, it's scarcity, constant scarcity all the time. But for you and I who have Jesus, this is, this is the worst hell there ever could be. And there's tastes of heaven all the time. And your real you is with him. And nothing can stop heaven life can come for you. It's yours. Believe it. Live in it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we live in Wednesday and Thursday We don't, we, we don't even have a fight. Covetousness, anxiety, self-defensive lies, putting the blame on other people because it can't be on me. This is, um, this is our life. It's life in us. And you came so that the exhausting, the exhausting dying life that we have in us can die. And Lord, help us to mortify it, to kill it, and say, today I'm losing a bit, but you know what? There's always victory in Jesus. Help us to live after Friday and in Sunday. Your victory, our Easter, our resurrection given to us by you, Lord Jesus. You came to give us this gift. You came to give us new life. You came to give us imperishable life. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. Help us to believe in it each day and to live in it with joy and gladness 
and with radical generosity and courage and hope that never end. In Jesus' name, amen.